0: Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant, and yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Wouldn't you agree with me? Isn't he wonderful? He's so wonderful. And did you you learn again this morning how wonderful he is? And when we consider, you know, David's failures and my failures and your failures and the fact that uh, God is not ever going to say, don't call me, call somebody else. And I'm glad, because truth of the matter is, he's the only one who can help. And so I'm so thankful that he says, call on me. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to join me tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And doesn't it just bless your heart to have the youth in here with us tonight? Yeah. Boy, did you hear him singing? Hallelujah. Boy, yeah. hey, y'all charged up the older folk now. They they had to come up a notch. And so thank y'all for joining us up here at North Campus and all your awesome team, Ryan. What an awesome group, man. Uh, we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise for them tonight, you know. <laughs> They do such a magnificent job, and they all enjoy it so much. You know, it's a—it's always interesting for me to watch when, when service is a labor of love. You know, you can tell. Uh, you can tell oftentimes when people do it just to do it, and you can tell sometimes when people don't love enough to do it, but you also can tell when people love enough, and that's the reason. That's the motivation for their service. And so thank all of y'all for serving the way that you do, and young people for loving Jesus like you do, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse number 1, all right? <clears throat> and the question I want to pose tonight as we get started is, what are you talking about? You ever had anybody ask you that or look at you like that? You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> they just sort of look. At you, you start talking about something, they look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? You ever have a conversation with somebody, and they just go out in right field somewhere? and you have no idea what they're talking about. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Now, I don't want to pose it from that angle tonight. What I want to pose it about, uh, the angle I want to pose from tonight is if I was to, or we were to, come to some of the closest people in your life. Now, first of all, who are they? They're the people who spend the most time with you, okay? And so let's just kind of make a list real quick in our mind. Who are those people that we spend the most time with? Somebody said my wife, all <laughs> right? And <laughs> that was Bubba back there, and uh, that usually happens after you retire, Bubba. Right? Amen. All right. And so, uh, who we spend most of our time with? Our spouse, def- definitely. Okay. Uh, we would add to that family uh, because they're at home, you know, and family. And uh, but but when they're not home, it's a little more difficult, isn't it? And uh, you let less time you have with them. Okay. All right. So family. What else? What are some other people that you spend the most time with? Truth, truth be known, it is the people that you. Well, listen to that. And so it's the people that you work with because you're with them the most. And so I wonder if tomorrow some of us tagged along with you to work and you didn't tell that I was your pastor or uh, some, of your, some of your faith family, and we just kind of got one of your you know, co-workers that you work with all the time off to the side and said, hey, uh, tell me what it is that Bella talks about all the time. What's she always talking about? And, uh, and if they were to say, you know, tell me what, tell me what Katie's always talking about. Tell me what, what's, when he's working what's he usually what's the subject matter that he's discussing you know Cheryl when she's doing her thing what what's the common thing that she loves to talk about That keeps you don't talk about that thing that keeps coming up you know you may talk about a little bit and then some things happen you get busy with work but then later on you can't help but come back to it you know and uh, this time of year this time of year if you're an SEC football fan you might have been talking a little bit about that right uh, and some of y'all are laughing. You you already know like projected uh, records and who's playing where and when and and all of that and and uh, it doesn't matter uh, who you are except to, I would say this: all of us have something that we talk about often. And you may not know it about you, but if you'll be honest enough to ask your coworkers, just go to a Monday and say, "Hey, listen, I got a question. What do I usually talk about?" And see what they say to you. Now, listen, you need to be prayed up. Don't get offended. And mad if they tell you the truth. Uh-oh. Remember when Paul said, so now I tell you the truth and you hate me? You remember when the apostle Paul said that? So I want to encourage you to do that. But I wonder what they would say about menu. What do we like to talk about? I'm afraid some of our coworkers would say they like to talk about other people. All they ever do is talk about what this one said and what that one did and what this one had on and what that one said and what this one didn't do. And Some of us, we'd be guilty of that. Some of us would be guilty of what we talk about all the time is our kids and grandkids, right? And some of you are looking like, what's wrong with that? Well, just hang on, all right? Some of you got offended right off the bat. Uh, so, some of us would talk about fishing, right? And, and any kind of lure that can come with fishing, and some, some, some of you guys and gals are already getting geeked up because September's coming, and dove season opens up, right? The, the hunting spectacular that, that unfolds for the rest of the year, and... All of us have something that we're talking about. I just want to ask you tonight, what are you talking about? What are you out there talking about? Because whether you know it or not, it's influencing people what you're talking about. And if it's uh, about somebody, then you're influencing them to always be thinking negative about people. And if it's about uh, uh, sports or family, you're, you're, you're making them think that's the only, that's the most important thing on planet Earth. And so tonight, I want us to consider. Uh, talking about something different all right now without further ado I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me and let's read the 15th chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth having a lot of issues okay if you've ever studied the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians they a lot they got a lot of stuff going on and here in the middle here he begins to encourage them what is the reality of what they do and why they do and it is the risen savior Jesus Christ and he's going to culminate that. I'm going to, I'm going to cover about the first nine, ten verses. And then we're going to skip all the way down. Now, some of y'all are going to be so mad at me for skipping all in verses. But you go and read it, okay? And we're going to go down, all the way down to verse 58 and conclude there. Is that okay with y'all? All right, here we go. Beginning back in verse number one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in one. And again, we'll read down to verse number 10. Then we'll skip all the way down to verse 58, okay? Y'all with me? All right, amen. Let's go. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel... Now, that word in the Greek simply means good news, all right? I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Well, there's a whole lot in verse number one. I'm telling you, there's a lot in verse number one. Verse number two, but which, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time. Did you forget that Jesus appeared to a group of 500 in one spot? Hmm. So 500 of them saw them. Uh, He goes on to say, think about it. He was, after verse number six, 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, I love this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Father, thank you for the opportunity tonight to preach your gospel. And thank you, Lord, for the people who've showed up out here in the middle of nowhere on Sunday night, right ahead of school starting. And I pray, Father, your blessing would be upon this place in that you would meet with us. Our meeting is just a social gathering if you don't visit us. So tonight, please, um, by the power of your spirit and the gift of preaching, would you help me now to proclaim this great truth in such a way that everyone among us can understand it. And, Father, may it be that we're sitting at a table... And we're pulled up a chair with a hungry spirit, and that you would feed us, father to child, your living word. Uh, We want to listen. God, give us ears to hear, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, rewinding back to the beginning, what are you talking about? What is it that you are? talking about <clears throat> some of you are talking about games right you're gamers and you like to play games and you can if i ask you about the newest consoles and different games and what have you you could tell me all the ins and the outs about that and uh, it's funny because the thing with which most people talk about if it's not the same as what you talk about you have a tendency to judge what they talk about and deem what they talk about as unnecessary compared to what you talk about is anybody in the house tonight Amen? And uh, we like to look down on those that like this and like that uh, when the truth of the matter is we all spend a lot of time talking about nothing, absolutely nothing, and not much time talking about the only somebody who has the power to save anybody. And his name's Jesus. So let's talk tonight about the gospel. What are you talking about, all right? The main idea of the, po- of the passage is simply this. The gospel is powerful to transform. Now, let me just throw it to you, all right? The gospel is powerful to transform. You have some uh, friends and family in your life who are groping in the darkness, who are struggling through life, who don't know uh, how to navigate the journey without the guide, the Holy Ghost of God. Uh, then the only hope they have is the gospel, the good news. Uh, now, how many of you have ever received good news before? Yes? Uh, somebody help me. What are some things that you received that you deemed as good news? Baby being born, all right? Chris, you had a baby born. Now, you're talking about one of yours or somebody else's? <laughs> Either, all right? And so, whether it's ours or somebody else's, good news, right? Uh, what are some other things that we hear as good news? Somebody got saved. What else? Anything else? Boy, we kind of, everybody's kind of going together. What'd you say, Chad? Can't Oh, hallelujah, good news, son, the cancer's gone. That's recent for you, isn't it, brother? That's recent for you. And so that's good news. And the things that you and I hear of that are good news, we have a tendency to talk about them. And generally, generally, when we have something good to tell, you ever notice about me and you, we're like a little kid. We find out something good, you know, and don't you, all right, I'm fixing to find out. Who among us in here likes to be the first one to find out? <laughs> i love that <laughs> you like to be the f- and you can't wait to hear him tell somebody the good news right and and now i'm gonna on the flip side of that there are a lot of us that really enjoy telling the bad oh the bad news and what we ought to be focused on instead is the good news and truly tonight evaluating what's good news what's good news so we talked about some things in the, in the temporary realm, you know, people being born and, and, and different things, cancer being gone, different kinds of things that we face. But truly, the good news is what we're going to look at tonight, and that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's dive into that. Number one in your notes there, let's talk for just a second about the, the gospel in action. Okay, the gospel in action. I've heard it said before, I believe it was Spurgeon who said that, this, that the gospel is like a caged tiger and that all we need to do is let it out. The gospel, the good news. In other words, the good news shared has the power to do something in a person's life. So let's talk about the gospel in action. And what we're going to do is look at verses 1 and 2 here. And we're going to list out, watch this, a list of four things. from. I told you there's a whole lot in these two verses, all right? Four things I want you to see in in these two verses. First of all, the gospel in action. Paul says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the good news, which I preach to you, all right? So number one in your list of the activity or the gospel in action, number one, it must be preached, okay? Now, this word for preached doesn't mean it has to be a preacher or a pastor. It means somebody who has received the good news. It means verbalizing the good news. Y'all with me? And so uh, how many of us in here are able to uh, preach the gospel? Raise your hand. I like that. Everybody's like, uh. uh what?" <laughs> It ought to be every hand in the house that's been born again ought to be raised right now that, hey, I have the ability to preach the gospel, to tell the good news to those people around me, all right, that God has placed in my circle of influence. So Paul said, remember that it was the gospel that I preached to you. I had to verbalize it in order for you to get it. All right, so it must be preached. Number two, uh, in the same verse, Paul says, moreover, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, And so there's something else about the activity or the action of the gospel. It's preached, but then it must be, for it to have power in the recipient's life, it must be received, all right? Now, just a question as we're walking through this, a good question for you to ask yourself tonight is, have I received Jesus. Now, you've heard it said before, um, what does it mean to receive him? The picture is uh, going over to the door maybe of your house and you opening the door and bringing someone from the outside to the inside, right? And of course, in the context of Jesus, you're not opening the door and inviting him to come and, and visit for a while, but you're inviting him to come and be the central, listen, the central person in the house, amen? And so that's what it means to receive him. So uh, the gospel's action, it must be preached. It must be, y'all help me, it must be received. Number three, it puts us in right standing. Now let me just show you what, what Paul says. Which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you Stand. You are currently standing in the gospel. Now, uh, they may be sitting down when they're reading this letter. They may be lying in the bed. They may be gathered in the congregation. They may be going about work. Uh, and they've received this letter. They're hearing this letter. They're passing this letter information on to each other. He's not talking about literally, physically standing in one position. He's talking about the position that they occupy when God, the righteous judge, looks at their life. And what they see is uh, what he sees if for every born again believer is someone who is justified, just as if they've never committed sin. And they are righteous and right in his sight. And he said, you've received it. Now you're in right standing with God, aren't you? Hey, I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel good to be in right standing with God? You you may not be in right standing with people. You may not, but but in Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, you can be right with God. So the action of the gospel, the gospel in action, it must be preached. It must be received. It, It puts us in right Standing, We're made right. This good news makes us right with God. And then the end of this in verse number 2, he says, by which, by what? By the gospel, uh, you also, which also you are, help me, saved. So, so the gospel also, here's the action, it saves. And I'm so thankful today that the good news still saves soul today. Anybody else glad of that? I was sharing it this last week and I was I told I think I shared with you guys maybe Wednesday night I'm I'm sharing the good news and 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 people get say, and I'm always inside my head I'm going there ain't no way this is happening <laughs> And because somebody here for the first time or you think, man, this is so deep and you need years of study, but you don't because the gospel's so powerful that when the spirit of God illuminates at the heart of a man or a woman or a young person, a person can't help us. So I'm just telling you what he does is he, is, well, I've heard it said this way. You ready? Ripe fruit doesn't have to be squeezed. And it's not you and me and our convincing power. It's simply laying the gospel out, letting the gospel do what the gospel does. And I wish unto God you and I would understand the simplicity that success in gospel witnessing is not how many people get saved, it's whether or not you're doing it. Success is, yes, I'm going to tell somebody the good news. Success is not, well, I had 10 people saved this week. Success is he called me to make disciples, and by the way, the first step of discipleship would have to be salvation. You can't make a follower of Christ until someone's born into the kingdom so I want you to consider that as we move on, all right? So the gospel in action, y'all got that? One through four, look how quick we knocked that list out. Paul said it must be, he was preached it to you, you received it, it put you in right standing, you're standing right before God and they're still standing right before God, isn't that good? And then he says, it also saves. Now, uh, something I need to uh, touch on here in verse number two uh, that I want to just sort of highlight, notice what he says, by which you also are saved. If you, uh-oh, what? What did he say? If you hold fast, I'm facing to make some of my people mad at me, but I need you to understand I'm not reading from the book of Terry. I'm reading from the word of God, and he says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, meaning that you held on to it, but at some point you let go of it. Now, this is alluding to, you've heard me speak before, if you've been here any number of time, on Hebrews chapter 6, and apostasy, and the fact that a believer, in my estimation, in my lengthy research, I've written some uh, papers on it. If you ever want a chance to read that, just let me know. I'll, I'll send it to you. On the fact that a believer could, in fact, walk away from their salvation. Now, I'm not talking about sending their way out. I'm not talking about making enough mistakes and falling into sin. No, no, no. I'm talking about according to Hebrews chapter 6 after having been partakers of the holy spirit. That's what it says. You go read it. Having then turned away and gone back to what in their case Judaism, right? So, now I don't understand all how that's possible because I know the holy spirit of God is in me and I know this, but here's what I know too as a sh- under shepherd of the most high God, I would do you an injustice. If I didn't say to you, he just said, if you hold fast. And so, if I skip that verse, which most preachers will do, and go to the next one, because how does that fit in, right? Boy, y'all got an awful quiet out there. Uh, Because Paul said what? If, come on, help me, y'all. If you hold fast. This gospel you've received, and you're standing right with God, if you hold fast, right? So, what am I saying to you? Stay in the plane. Y'all tracking with me? Stay in the plane. Doesn't mean, he doesn't, he's not talking about, listen, you got to help, help, help me now. I'm not talking about sending your way out. I'm talking about making a conscious decision to will to say it's not Jesus, it's Buddha and going another way. You better read Hebrews 6 because it says it's impossible to renew that person again into repentance. Woo! It's a warning that every person ought to read through. Why? You need to stay in the plane. Amen. What's the plane? I'm talking about the good news, the gospel, the family of God. Jesus is the only way. You better stay in that plane. Amen. Now, if I didn't love you, I'd skip that verse and we'd move on to the next one. Um, But I wanted to hit it. You go and research that, read that. And if you have some, I'd love to discuss it with you sometime. Oh, it's so important for us to get, okay? If I didn't love you, if it it wasn't possible that that was the meaning, I would skip right on past it. Um, But I want to look you right in the eyes and say, stay in the plane. Stay in the faith, amen? Stay with Jesus. He's the only means of hope for mankind. Okay, the gospel message, all right? What is it? So what we did in those first verses is we talked about the action of the gospel. It's preached. It has to be received. uh, It puts you in right standing, right? And it saves, and it does so as long as you stay close and you cling to Jesus. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about as long as you continue to believe that Jesus is the only way you can be right with God. Now... Watch what happens as we talk specifically about what is the good news, okay? If someone was to come to you tomorrow at work and say, and I believe God does this, every time I've ever preached on the gospel, this happens. Somebody will come to you tomorrow and say, I've heard this term, the gospel, before. What does that mean? And I'm praying God walks somebody right into your office or right into your classroom, first day of school, and they say, hey, I've heard this weird term called the gospel. What does that mean? And I pray from the oldest in the room to the youngest among us will be able to answer that in great detail. What is the good news? Let's look at it, all right? Verses 3 and on down through verse 8. Put your eyes there with me. Four, I delivered to you, and delivered meaning he preached it, right? I delivered to you first of all that which, uh-oh, listen to what Paul said. Before you can really share the gospel in an authentic way, you have to first what? Oh, Paul said, I've received it. I was on that road to Damascus. Where did he receive it? You remember. On the road to Damascus on, with the purpose of killing believers in Jesus' name. And on that road, he got knocked off his high horse, laying their face down, blinded by the light and the thundering voice. And he says, who are you, Lord? And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm certain he was expecting to hear some Old Testament name from God. How are you certain of that, Pastor? Because he spent his whole life killing people who said that Jesus was the way. And right down their face down, he said, who are you, Lord? The name he heard back must have caused chills to go down his spine. I am Jesus who you're persecuting. And the response that Paul makes uh, causes me to want to shout glory because, a man, is hunting people down and killing them for Jesus' name. He was killing them because of Jesus' name. Then has the opportunity face down to call Jesus Lord. He says, he says back to him, what do you want me to do, Lord? Now, here he is, and he's writing this later, and he's saying, now, I've, I, re- I had to receive it just like you had to receive it because, because nobody has any hope ac- apart from the gospel. Nobody has any hope apart from the gospel. So, verse 3, I've delivered to you, uh, first of all, that which I also received. What is it? You ready? That Christ died for our sins. Now, here's what we ask you to write down. If you're just kind of making some notes on what the gospel message is, this is Roman numeral 2. Roman numeral 1 was the gospel in action. It had four parts. Secondly, the gospel message. All right? First thing, I want you to jot down your notes. Jesus left heaven, came down to earth, and died for our sins. That's very simple. Very simple. Jesus... God the Son left heaven, came down to earth, okay, and he died for our sins. That's what he says. Christ died for our sins. We know that he had to come down to do that, right? He had to take on flesh in order to do that, and he did so, and and you just remember, if you want to add some wonderful seasoning in there, some details to the gospel, is that he came down, took on the form of flesh. He showed us what God was really like. He experienced what we're like. He lived it with all the temptation, except he did it perfectly, and then he died in our place because there had to be perfect bloodshed for the sins of all mankind. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? So first part, uh, Jesus left heaven, came down to earth, and died for our sins. You ready? According to, by the way, the Scriptures, it was foretold thousands of years before he was born that he was going to do just such, and he did. Now, verse 4, write this down, number 2 in the the gospel message, Jesus left heaven, came down to earth, died for our sins. And when you talk about our sins, you're able to say our sins to any human being you ever come across on planet earth. Somebody might say, who is our? The answer is yes, every human you ever lay eyes on, Jesus died for. Isn't that good? doesn't matter what they've done, doesn't matter where they've been, no matter how horrid or despicable their life may be, Jesus died for them. So, Jesus died. All right, second part of the gospel, if you will, is found in verses 4 through 8. And that he was buried. All right, that's simple. He was died. What's the good news? Jesus, God the Son, came down to earth, took on flesh, went to the cross, died for our sins as a payment. Now, if you're describing that to someone, you might help them to see that God is a perfect judge. And if a perfect judge is able to forgive, there has to be some type of restitution. There has to be some form of punishment dealt out, or the judge would be deemed not fit. If the judge comes into the courtroom and somebody has done something to you or to your family, if the person is to say at the end of the trial, once convicted and guilty, was to say, Well, you know what, I just, I'm sorry. And the judge said, Okay, you're free to go. You and I would say he's unfit to be a judge. She's unfit to be a judge. So then how can you tell the good news to people in your path and in your circle of influence and explain to them why Jesus came down? Because God is the perfect judge, and in his mercy and grace, he didn't overlook our sin. Instead, by mercy and grace, he poured our sin out on the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's why he died such a horrible, painful, violent death, and the wrath of God was satisfied. You're somebody in your life needs to hear that. There's someone in your life needs to hear that. So next we see that he was buried, and that on the third day, y'all help me, he rose again. Listen to what he says. For I delivered to you first all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, again, according to the Scriptures. God said he was going to do it, and then he did it. Now, you're explaining to someone about the gospel. They hear, I've heard this term, the gospel. What is what? Well, Jesus left heaven. God, the son, left heaven, came down to earth, uh, died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. He was dead. They placed his dead body in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the good news. And by the way, it's the best news your ears have ever heard. More so than you're pregnant. More so than the cancer's gone. More so than uh, any other news that your ears have ever received. That God intervened in the mess that we had made and redeemed us from our sin, brought us back, and now in him we can be adopted into his family, listen, as sons and daughters. Oh, I wish you'd go tell somebody that this week. It's so simple. A child can understand. Now, some of you say saying, well, what if I say that and they don't believe? Well, that's not up to you. What if I say that and have some more questions that I can't answer? That's not up to you either. You just tell them what you know, amen, and watch the gospel do what the gospel does. I wish under God people would just begin to go out and share the good news. I wish that when you're at work and you're in your quiet time and you're in between work and while you're working, that you talk about the gospel, that you share the gospel with your coworkers and your classmates and your teachers. I pray there would be some students in the house. There would be, be some coaches saved and some teachers saved because this group of young people are sharing the good news. Unashamed, bold in their faith. And I'm not just talking about that, I'm talking about all of us. And can you imagine if all of us leave out of here and say, Well, that's part of what my mission is, I'm gonna just go do it. Why would you do that? Oh, Jesus said so. What if, what what if, no, what if I belong to Him and so I'm gonna go out and share the gospel and let the gospel do what the gospel does? It'll blow your mind. I share it sometimes. And and I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Sometimes I feel like, well, this probably ain't gonna to happen today. You know, uh, this person I can tell they're not really interested. And all of a sudden, before we're done, they're like, yeah, they're weeping and saying, yes, I want to. And I mean, the gospel's so powerful. So powerful. I remember a time I was on a visitation team, and I may have shared this, this with you before, but when I was, this is going to be hard for you to imagine. I was so shy. I said, you know, one thing I can do to start becoming obedient is to go on visitation with some other guys. And so i go, but when we got out of the van, we'd go in pairs of three. I'd be the last one in the three, and I'd let them go to the door, and they'd knock, and I'd back way up. You know, they had to look twice, make sure there's another guy out there. And I'd come on in, and I'd be really, really quiet, right? And one day we're going, and uh, there's a guy in his front yard. He's toting the banister, uh, the handrail from his front porch across the yard. And it's hot, you know, not quite as hot as it's been lately, but it's hot. And he's toting that thing, and you can tell he's not happy. You know how you can tell people are not happy? Sometimes you just look at them. You say, we need to keep going. <laughs> He'd been wrestling with that thing. And he's toting it across the yard. And the guy driving says, we need to stop right here. And I'm thinking, no, we don't. (laughs) This guy's fixing to cuss us if we stop right now. He said, no, I feel like we need to stop here. So we pull up and the guy's looking at us like, for real? You know what I'm talking about? Like he's toting a thing. He's like, y'all going to stop while I'm toting this banister across the yard? And the guys get out and I'm I'm backing up going, boy, this is going to be bad, you know. And I'm going to stay way back so at least I can be a witness. (laughs) And I don't mean of Jesus, you know. And as the thing unfolds, one of the guys begins to tell the the gospel. He just starts saying, hey, I just felt compelled to stop and share with you the gospel, the good news that God left heaven and his son, Jesus, came down, God the son, and he took on flesh. He died for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. And I just want to know if you'd like to, if you've ever invited him to be Lord of your life. And the man set the banister down. He said, no, sir, but I want you all to come on my porch and tell me more. And I'm going. What, what, what just happened, you know? And before we left, Casey, man's name was Casey. He, he was a, a Jewish man of all things. He in he uh, bended knee on his front porch in August, tear stained cheeks. He's he's bowing before the king and inviting Jesus to be Lord of his life. And uh, I'm telling you that the gospel is powerful. And for some reason, you and I keep it to ourselves. And it's and it is you and I withholding suppressing the righteous truth of God that his gospel has the power to save not your ability to share it not your not your uh, frequency of sharing not your eloquence of sharing but the gospel in its simplicity has the power to rescue and to save I wish you'd go out and turn it loose I wish you'd just go try it this week and see what happens I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. The gospel's message, all right? Verses 9 and 10, let's talk for just a minute about the gospel's power. So we said the gospel in action, preached, received, puts you in right standing, and it saves, right? The gospel message, uh, Jesus, God the Son, left heaven, came down to earth, died for our sins. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. Now, number three, the gospel's power. And I want you to add to that the gospel's power to transform, would you, would you write that in your notes? Now, I didn't add that in mine this afternoon as I was looking back through, but I meant to. The gospel's power to transform, okay? And this is going to be found in verse 9 and 10. You read it. And see, if you, if you were to come, come share, I want you and your chair to read verse 9 and 10, and then I want, to, I want you to see where I got that, okay? Where did I get the gospel has the power to transform? Take a second and read. I'm going to wait on you. Read verse 9 and 10. This is fun, isn't it? See, you, you, I love this because you guys are learning, man, and we're learning together. All right, verses 9 and 10. Do you see it? Anybody see it? Where, where do you see in there that the gospel has the power to transform a person? Who's transformed there? Paul. And Paul went from one thing radically to another thing altogether, right? Where do you see it? Let's read verse 9 and 10, okay? By the way, you guys could have come and preach that, see? Uh, now, verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because, well, this is who I used to be. I persecuted the church of God. He killed him. had him arrested, stoned. That's what he did. But he says, listen to what he says, but I'm not that guy anymore. You see that from verse 9 to verse 10? Because that's who I used to be, but by the grace of God and the power of the gospel, I am what I now am. And what I now am is not what I used to be. Can you say that tonight? Who you are tonight, if you've been born again, cannot be who you used to be. That's a lie, and if that's happening in your life, you need to reevaluate to make sure that you're in the faith. I'm no longer who I used to be. The gospel transforms. I have some names rolling in my mind, but I'm not going to say them out loud because I didn't ask permission ahead of time. But there are some people in our midst that I knew before they were born again, and I'm telling you right now, they are different people sitting in the and, and, and amongst you right in here tonight. They are not who they used to be. They are radically different people. Some of them, I still scratch my head when I see them coming in. After years of watching them, I say, man, that guy, that gal. You know what, though, it's funny. I still look at myself when I'm brushing my teeth and thinking, that guy? That dude? I mean, this guy? And the power of the gospel to transform and change you from who you were to who he wants you to be. The gospel has that kind of power and nothing else, nothing else. Anything else is an attempt at behavior modification and it always fails with time. But the gospel never fails. It has the power to transform. Paul said, I used to be a guy, man, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy even to be called an apostle and here's why. I persecuted the very church. I mean, I I was trying to stamp out people who believed in the name. But by the grace of God, I love it. I am what I am. Listen to verse 10. And his grace toward me, y'all help me, was not in vain. What does that mean? It means that he didn't offer this, uh, this full unconditional pardon for me just to sit and soak. He didn't offer me a full unconditional pardon for me just to be like every other senior that ever lived before me and blending in and doing the same things on Fridays and the same thing on my Snapchat and look like the rest of the world. That's not what he died for. No, no, no. He says the grace of God for me was not in vain. I call that grace abuse. You know, when we say, well, I've been received grace, so I can do whatever I want to do. No, that's a misuse of grace, isn't it? He said it was not in vain. And then he goes on to talk about him laboring more and more and more. Verse 10, he says, but not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me, which is beginning to start, uh, move from the gospel's power to transform, okay, to our final thing I want to share with you tonight is found in verse number 58, but it's going to attach, listen, I'm going to include the end of verse 10, okay, and attach it to verse number 58. You'll understand why. He says, uh, because I labored I labored, the grace of God, I labored more than anybody. Now, this is, this is what I want you to see. Uh, Paul's life, he lived, this, he lived this main theme. Are you ready? Here it is. Write it somewhere in your notes. Get you a pen. Write this down. This was Paul's theme for his life. You ready? Get you somewhere you can write it because I want you to write it down, and I want you to visualize it, okay? I want you to write it somewhere. Get you something. You may not have wrote notes. Any other thing, if you will, please get you a pen and get something to write. I want you to see this with your eyes as you write it down. Here's what he does I want you to write in all capital letters. You ready? Write this down. Whatever it takes. Write that down, whatever, write that down. Watch how the pen writes those letters and watch those letters form those words, whatever it takes. I wish unto God we had a few Apostle Pauls among us that said, you know, whatever it takes, I'm gonna live this journey with Jesus whatever it takes i 'm going to sell out for the cause of christ i 'm going to stop putting one foot in the world, and one foot in the church, one foot in the world, and one foot in, and serving on one Sunday every eight months, and all of the all of the i 'm telling you we look just like the world oftentimes because we 're not really committed to anything other than oftentimes our hobbies we 're very committed we 're very committed, and so I want you to consider tonight what it means to say whatever it takes and you guys have been hearing me say that lately and that 's I want to say that we, we, somebody said to me not too long ago, they said, you know, you, the place where you guys are at, it's a little different. has a little different testimony. Pe- people are willing to, you know, do this and do that. And I say, yeah, but we're not there yet. Anybody out there with me? I mean, we're not, we're, we're not there yet. We, we can't say that, hey, uh, imitate us while we imitate Christ. can We can't say that yet um, because we complain about things and we, we have heart. And I say we, not you, we. We, me and you. We half-heart commit to things, and we, you know, we just hit and miss. And, and uh, if, if we could just get to the place where we all have a whatever-it-takes type of mentality. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win the sum. To the wise, I become wise. You're right. To those who follow the law, I look like a log. I, I just want to fit in. I want whatever it takes for me to reach some people for Jesus. Can you imagine if you and I got to that place? I, I, you guys hear me. I'm not, I'm not fussing, by the way. I'm preaching towards Potential. That's what I'm doing tonight, I'm preaching towards potential. That's what I feel like I'm doing. So I said, how do you keep doing it after all these years? Because I'm preaching towards potential, amen? I'm seeing that percentage bumping up, bumping up, bumping up. And I'm praying before God calls me home, I'll be able to see a whole group of people fully committed and nothing else getting in the way, to all of us saying, whatever it takes for the glory of God. Whatever it takes. I can't wait to see that. I believe it's going to happen. We're inching closer as the days go by. I wonder if you will jump in tonight. I wonder if you will finally make the decision to get one foot out of the world and dive headfirst into this relationship with Jesus. Now, let's just talk what it means to respond to the gospel, okay? Now, what I want to say is number four here, number four here in your notes, and this is where we're going to close, the response, okay, the response to the gospel received. Now, we already said that the gospel transforms us, right? Uh, Paul was this. He received Jesus, and then he was that. Y'all, everybody with me? That's, That's pretty simple, right? He was a killer of Christians, he was saved and received Jesus, and he was then a Christian, a follower of Christ, one who was willing to die for the cause, okay? So I want us to look for just a minute at verse number 58. So he said, I labored, I labored, I worked, I worked, I worked. Here's what he said, because the grace that was given to me, I shouldn't be an apostle. I shouldn't be in the family of God, but because I am, I work, man. I work, and I work, and I work. We used to sing a song, we'll work till Jesus comes. Y'all remember that song? I used to love singing that song, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes. Y'all remember that song? I taught, I see you, see it, I'm a little off key, that's all right. Because, listen, there ought to be stirred in you as a response to what he did for you that says, I'm not wasting my time with the temporary garbage of this world that's stealing away the minds of my children and my family and the culture of today, and I'm going all in with Jesus. All in with Jesus. Until we do, listen, your family's suffering. Until we do, our families are suffering. We're teaching our kids the wrong priorities. I'm telling you, until we do, listen, our communities are suffering. Until we do, we, not you, we, our state is suffering. Until we do, our nation, whoo-hoo, glory to God, is suffering. Until we do, the world in which God had you born into and me born into is suffering. Until we finally say, "It's all. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm through playing games. I'm going all in. I'm going all in." Let me conclude with verse number 58. Look down at verse 50. This is, Boy, you're talking about some paramount truth. Look at verse 58. So he says a lot of things. I know we skipped a lot. He talks about when the last enemy is destroyed. He talks about what happens if you deny the resurrection. He talks about this glorious new body in verse 35 that we're going to receive. Um, but at the end of this thing, he talks about that final victory. And by the way, one of these days we're going to get to go home. But until then, we'll work. (laughs) We're going to work until Jesus goes. It's a natural response to the gospel. So moving right along, on down into verse number 58. Therefore, because of all of this wonderful things that Jesus has accomplished for us and the gospel has brought into our lives, verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren. Here it is. You ready? Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding. And this is all three terms attached to the work of the Lord. Three terms quickly first steadfast steadfast in the work of the lord not up and down not when it fits the softball schedule not when it fits the soccer schedule not when it fits when we're going camping and when we're not going camping steadfast service work for the lord steadfast you can be counted on can you be counted on can we listen can we the body of christ at hickory's can we count on you can we count? And I know we're saying, yes, and that's an easy thing. But I want you to think, I'm talking about every time that we need you to serve. And what is your continual, faithful, every week service unto the master? I want you just to think about that for a minute. Can we count on you? Can we count on you to teach? Can we count on you to pray? Can we count on you to give of your time, talent, and resources? Can we count on you to put fires out when people, you know, get to slandering and gossiping? Can we count on you? Put your arm around somebody and disciple. Listen to me, we've got so many people. I wish I could tell you how many people we got signed up waiting for somebody to disciple them. Can we count on you to disciple somebody? Can the body of Christ count on you to pull your weight? Because we all have a portion. Listen to what he says steadfast, not up and down, right? Uh, immovable. Now, th- that means, listen to this. Immovable means, well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You don't have to look in a Greek manuscript to figure out what immovable means. It means not easy to move. And yet, the truth of the matter is, we're very easy to move. We're very easy to move. Somebody hurt my feelings, so I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Somebody said this about me. I'm not doing that anymore. Somebody looked at me that way. I'm, not, I'm just not done. We move, we move from our commitment. Somebody makes us mad, we move from our commitment. Somebody disagrees with us, we move away from our commitment. And these moving parts, people are just kind of it's like, I, heard a, I had another pastor friend say, it's like pastoring a parade. They just kind of go by till the feelings get hurt and they go on to another spot and do this and do that. And, 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 and I do it sometimes and you do it sometimes. And, and, and what, he's, what, what Paul is saying, man, if I've received the gospel, what's going to move me from serving Jesus? you ain't come on somebody and I it doesn't matter if you're mean to me or unkind I, somebody said to me the other day well you don't know what it's like for people to be mean I said that's funny that's hilarious I'm not going to go any further I'm just going to smile and laugh right there and say of course people are mean sometimes we don't sleep good y'all out there still sometimes our sugar's up sometimes our sugar's down sometimes we're a little overweight we get I'm irritable son, when I'm a little heavier And so, of course, but immovable means I'm not basing my service on how you treat me. I'm basing my service on how he treated me. And he treated me kind and good and gracious and merciful. Hallelujah. He treated me as a son. So I'm gonna serve him and nobody can stop me. And I'm not gonna move all around because people make me, because there's gonna be another group of people over there, another group of people over there, and I'm a person too, so I can do it, and you can do it. I'm just gonna settle in and say, you know what, we're gonna love each other through it with all our scars and warts, and we're gonna keep pressing on until he calls us home. What doesn't that sound like a life worth living? Yes, hallelujah it does. All right, so steadfast and movable, finally, finally, listen to this. Because somebody's sitting today and they're thinking, you know what? Hey, I'm I'm doing that, I'm I'm doing that. Listen to what he says here, because this really challenges me therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable and then he adds this always abounding more and more and more and more meaning that what you're doing requires time and energy and effort and it's got to be growing you with me It's got to be growing, man. And and I'm praying unto God that that in my life and in your life, our service to the king. Now, listen, we're not talking about a workspace salvation. Listen, get that out of your mind. We're talking about as a response to the gospel that Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. Now, I want to serve him. I want to serve him. I don't want to be moved around. I don't want to be wishy-washy. I want to be steadfast. I want to be the body of Christ that he can count on. Uh, to fulfill his mission until he returns think about that we, listen to this we get to do that together isn't that interesting that we get to do that together and we get to do it together and as a testimony to his goodness we can we can do it and get along together and by the way i want to say to you that we really are a unique gathering in that god has allowed us to do a lot of things over the years together doesn't mean there haven't been any bumps in the road but i believe he's got greater plan for us and I don't mean greater numbers. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean, I'm just talking about greater. Greater in blessing his name and reaching the world for the name the cause of Christ. And so tonight I know this, every single one of us plays a part. And I pray unto God that what you talk about would be, you ready? The gospel. Let's bow our heads together. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? To just sort of settle in for a minute where you are. The gospel. Jesus left heaven, came down to earth, died for our sins, rose from the dead. Maybe you've never received Jesus into your life as Lord. Might I begin tonight by saying the good news is it's not too late for you. And you might have tried a whole lot of things, you know, church and and all manner of things, but listen, the only hope you have of knowing God and being in right relationship with him is to acknowledge that Jesus paid the ultimate price in his death. Believe that he rose from the dead and based on that great display of power and love, be willing to repent, which means a changing of the mind. Changing of the mind. What, what do you mean? It means changing of the mind. I'm not, I shouldn't be God of my life. I don't make a good God. I need a Savior, and that's Jesus. And tonight, if you would, by faith, if the Spirit of God is drawing, if you'd repent, if you'd turn away from being the little God of your own life, and tonight invite Jesus, if you'd receive him, if you'd receive him, you know what he'll do? He'll save you. Listen to this. You're talking about good news. He'll forgive your sin, just as if you would never committed one. What? He'll bring you into the family as a son or a daughter. I'm so thankful tonight for the good news. I never get weary of sharing it. I wonder if there's one tonight who needs to receive Jesus as Lord. You can do it right now where you're seated. You don't have to come shake my hand or Gerald's hand any of our hands, hug our necks. We'd love to do that later, but you don't have to do that. You just need to talk to God. So you do that. If you felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you do that tonight? Now, for those who have been born again, what are you talking about? What's generally the subject that occupies your mind? What if, what if it shifted tonight? What if it shifted to the gospel, the power of the gospel, and you began to find ways to, to bring the gospel into conversations? and pray for God to open windows right in the middle of a conversation on the first day of school to share the gospel. That, that tonight you might even go share the gospel with your family. Just practice at the table. Here's the good news. And just say it. Get, get comfortable with it. And accept the fact that the success is not how many people are saved, but success is simply saying yes to what Jesus said do. You'll be my witnesses. That's what he said in Acts 1 witnesses testify so I don't know what's on your heart tonight I don't know what you're dealing with I don't know what the Lord is dealing with you about but I know this he's a good God and he loves me and you have mercy he loves me and you wouldn't it be great if tonight we got all in and we just said you know what I'm sick of doing this halfway I'm in I'm in I'm all in now I want to say the altar's open if you feel led to come and to pray come on if you got somebody you want to pray with you, you know there's a lot of youth here. I, I always said when I was growing up, it was good to have a few brothers with me. And we would go down and just pray, hey, we got a new school year ahead of us. Let's pray for each other. So maybe some of you youth would do that. Y'all just grab each other, and come on and say, listen, I want to pray for you this year, you pray for me. And y'all just begin to pray for each other. So could we stand together? Would you stand up, and just make room for people on your row to make it down to the altar? Still in the spirit of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, just begin to pray, all right? As you feel led of God. Just grab somebody and say, Hey, I'm gonna pray for you, pray for me. Maybe husband and wife would come down and say, Hey, I'm gonna pray for you, pray for me. Let's pray together. So I'm going to wait just a moment, all right? Maybe there'd be just one somebody. Just one somebody.